Well, good morning and welcome to the worship of God. Whether we're here in the sanctuary or at home, it's good for us to gather together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the psalmist, just as we begin our service. One of the well-known psalms, Psalm 84. But the psalmist writes, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow her nest for herself where she may have her young a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's pray together. God, our Father, in these challenging times, as we go through the roller coaster of lockdowns and regulations and variations and regulations, as some of us have struggled with ill health in the past and are struggling now with the challenges of the present time, others of us, Lord, trying to make sense of what this means in our working life, in our home life, in our care for parents, our loved ones. Lord, all of us gather together, not just here in this congregation, but up and down our land, all your people gather with all the uncertainties and all the challenges. And we join with your people throughout the world who are going through similar experiences. And yet we thank you for the unchanging truth of who you are and of the relevance of your word to us in this day and in this generation. And we do yearn spiritually for the courts of the Lord. Many of us who are watching this on Zoom will no doubt be wishing that we were able to be here in the sanctuary, in this building. And we feel that. And others of us who are gathered here in person we join with them saying that, Lord, above everything else, we want to know your presence spiritually to be in the courts of the Lord, to be near your altar, to dwell in your house. And so, O oh Holy Spirit, as we gather at home or in Kirk, we thank you that we gather in the presence of the living God the Lord Almighty, the one whose eye is upon your people, the one who shelters us under the shadow of your wing, the one who is the sustainer and the comforter, the one who is the guide and the counselor. And we ask, O living God, that at home and our hearts are here within our own lights we would know the reality of your presence. Forgive us, Lord, because we are all easily distracted. We fail you and fail ourselves and fail others in so many different ways. We ask for your forgiveness. 
we gladly recognize that that forgiveness was won at the cost of your own dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whose blood was shed that we might be forgiven. And so for that wondrous gift and for the present presence of the Holy Spirit, we praise your name, O God, and ask that you would journey with us over these coming minutes, over the short time of worship, still our hearts and speak into our lives, we pray, all for the glory and honour of Jesus' name. Amen. And we're now going to watch a worship song on the screen. We do thank Graham Stangle for choosing these items over these past months. Um, as I know we found them very helpful. Obviously, we would love to be able to sing, but I know the Lord has used that to minister to our hearts that we do turn our eyes upon Jesus. And so Jesus, the living word, the eternal word, speaks to us through the printed word, through God's word, the Bible. And so let's hear together the word of God. And we return this morning for the last time to this part of Colossians, Paul's letter to the Colossians, to this prayer that Paul shares with us and gives us insight into. And so we're going to read from Colossians chapter 1. And again, we're just going to read from verse 1 through to verse 14. So let's hear God's word together. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that spring up from the hope stored in you, within you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will and through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. May God bless to our hearts this reading of his own holy word, and to his name be the praise and the glory. In this era, I don't just mean in the COVID era, but even just over these past years, a whole series of words that were in the dictionary, but perhaps were never mentioned very often, have gained you circulation. 
And one of the words that's become quite popular, especially if you're perhaps within the education system or with the health service or indeed with any public body or any, any gathering, any, any institution, as I say, of the state, is the word resilience. In perhaps our younger day, when an organisation had an audit, we thought, well, that means about the money. But nowadays, when organisations are given an audit, it's not just about how much money you have or how much money you've spent or what you've spent it on. It's about just how as an organisation you function. And one of the things is how resilient it is. That is, how can it cope with things? How does it manage with things? How does it recover? How does it, in a sense, repair itself? And how does it continue to function? And obviously, in this present time, there's a whole big question, for instance, about the resilience of the National Health Service. That's a big issue, which no doubt was going to have to be looked at very seriously once this COVID-19 situation has passed. How does it cope? How, how does it learn from what it's going through? How does it function? How does it grow? And how does it serve its purposes that's its resilience. And indeed, even within the church, that is a word that's sometimes used. I, as you know, have been served in some committees of the United Free Church, and I know from friends in the Church of Scotland now, congregations are given congregational audits. And again, it's not primarily to do with the money, that's part of it, but it's about its resilience. What it does, how does it function, how does it cope, and how does it grow, or how does it survive? And of course, all these audits... Um, done by human beings and therefore open to fallacies and failings, all these audits can have very serious consequences. Because if something's not regarded as being resilient, then the question has to be asked, is it fit for purpose? And as I say, I think there's a lot of things that are going to have to be audited once this COVID-19 will be passed. And it will sooner or later pass, thank God. Well, Paul here is writing to church, and long before these fancy audits and words and all the rest of it, he's writing to a church, he's writing to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, and he's writing to them at a time when the church was going through the challenges of life, but also going through increasing challenges, challenges both within itself, um, there never was the old adage, if you ever find the perfect church, never go into it, because as soon as you go into it, it ceases to be perfect. Well, the New Testament shows us that very quickly this church bought by the Spirit at Pentecost very quickly began to have its flaws and its failings and there was theological disputes and, and early heresies and all the rest of it started very quickly because again, although the church is the body of Christ, it's also made up of human beings just like us. And there are failings. And the church in Colossae, like the churches, other churches in the New Testament, were going through these challenges. But it also was going through a time where very subtly, that very clearly persecution was beginning to arise, not just from the Jewish um, brigade and the Jewish people and those influences within the life of the early church, those folk who felt that, well, Jesus may be a Messiah, may be a great prophet, but we need to have the law and all the rest of it, all that internal debate, but increasingly from the Roman authorities. And certainly by the end of the first century, 20, 30 years after this letter was written, the church faced the onslaught of full persecution, really beginning with Nero's persecution in Rome way back in the AD 60s, but then building up through into the first and then into the second century when many martyrs died for the faith. Because you see, ultimately, 
for the church, for believers to say that there is only one Lord, only one boss, Jesus, the banner that still stands in our church, maybe for the millennium, but reminding us Sunday by Sunday, and whenever we come into this house, that there is only one Lord, one head, one king of the church, one ruler supreme, that was a threat to the state, to Caesar, to the authority of Rome. And any threat was seen as being dangerous. And so the church in Colossae elsewhere in the New Testament times was increasingly beginning to face that. And Paul and Peter, and the writers of the New Testament, quite prophetically and wisely were discerning that was the road that the church was going on and into. And I've shared with you many times over these past, not just months, but over the last few years, saying that certainly my conviction, many of us who are involved in leadership of the church, is that the church in Britain is going into a period of challenge, perhaps not persecution in the way that it was in the Roman times, but as we go through this coming decade, we're going to face many trials and many tribulations. I'm sorry, it'll be not very encouraging, but that's the truth. The test of the prophet is whether it becomes real. And sadly to say, I think it will be. And so we need to be resilient. We need, as Paul here is praying for the church, we need to be able to stand, and having done all, to stand. And even if physically, and looking around us here this morning, it's a bit, I was saying to somebody, we've got quite a diverse congregation, because down at the front of the hill and hearty, and let's just say further back are, well, you know, just as hale and hearty. But whether we are physically hale and hearty, or whether we're not, is not the point. It's whether within us we are resilient. That will be the test of these days. And that is what Paul is praying for here. Particularly, we picked up in verse 9 the last couple of weeks. For this reason, because they heard the gospel and the message of the gospel that had come to them. For this reason, Paul writes, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that in here and in here we have a sense of what God is doing, what God is saying, what's happening around about us, how we need that, how we need that in these days the mind of Christ, so that, Paul says, you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, so that more and more in our challenging times, the body of Jesus reveals Jesus in word and in deed, in our lives and our living, in our communities, in our workplaces, with our neighbors and with our friends. But that is only possible, because he writes in verse 11, we are to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Some of you, some of you may even have watched these programs. I have to say I didn't. Um, and you probably say, looking about Tommy, you can say, well, he certainly didn't do. But at the beginning of lockdown, way back in March, there was a number of people who made quite a name for themselves, so I believe, and actually made some money out of it by having their own YouTube channels and doing various keep fit programs. Did any of you watch any of them? Ah, you did see the ones at the front. <laughs> right, there was one guy in particular, okay, what was his name? Joe Wex. He did, he did well, didn't he? He made quite a name for himself. Is he still quite, is he? Yeah. Yes, doing quite, do you still watch him? No. no. <laughs> do you still watch him? Yes, you do, you do. Well, the rest of us can ask afterwards. You can ask us what I'm talking about. But yes, he, I, I saw, I recognize, he was quite, I mean, quite, I'm a pretty good guy. I, I wish I looked like him. Um, 
But people watched these programmes in order to physically get exercise. Remember, they were locked down. They weren't able to go out and about, or at least do the things. They weren't able to go to the gym or all the things that they were used to do. Or perhaps they were wanting to find some outlet for their energies that were kind of getting a bit kind of frustrated. And so he and others provided exercises, not just of the blood. There were one or two others who were kind of self-help gurus that also appeared, appeared on, on YouTube and on other things, people who were, were, were personal trainers and things like that. And they were, their job was to help people to become able to face lockdown and to be able to do it with physical, some physical strength and with mental clarity. Well, we too need to be equipped for our days. It might not be physical exercises, although that's important and encourage us to be as active as we can be physically, to get out and walk and all the rest of it, do the things that we can do. But it does mean that we are within ourselves strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might. What does Paul mean here? Well, he's praying that these believers would be able to deal with the challenges that they're going to be facing because spiritually and emotionally they are strong. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. In Paul's writing to the Christians in that era, writing, for instance, to the Christians in Philippi, Listen to what he has to say there. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Let me read that again. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, for instance, when the fellow Wicks or anybody else appeared on the telly or the screen, we could all just sit there and watch and say, well, that's very impressive. Look at them. Look what he can do. Look how the impact it has and all the rest of it. And, well, that's really, you know. And we could just sit there having our milky coffee and our Tullock's tea cake. Or we could actually engage with what we hear. We could work with him. We could not only listen, but actually allow what people like that say and actually begin to apply it to our lives. We can work out, literally. And that's what Paul is saying to the Philippians, and that's what he's saying to the Colossians. He's saying to us that we should be on a workout program. We hear from God's word, not just here on a Sunday, but the devotionals during the week, in the various fellowship groups, in our own personal devotions, and over the years we've heard so much, I hope, and we've, we've, there's plenty out there, plenty out there we could watch, you could have sermons 24-7 if you were that keen. But the point is, we allow that and begin to engage with that in our spirits, in our minds, and in our hearts. And that's how we are strengthened. It is God who's at work within us, but we are also to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. You know, my friends, I think some of us have been found wanting over this past period. We've listened to much. And we sit in the comfort of our homes, perhaps, and, and take in much. But when the times of challenge have arrived, we've been ill-prepared. And during these past months, perhaps, we've not been spiritually working out the way we should be. Listening, acting, responding, engaging, not just taking in, 
but working out. And in that case, as we go through another six months of this, at least, at least, we will not be resilient. And in our spirits, and therefore in our emotions and our thinking, we will be vulnerable. So Paul's prayer is that that wouldn't be the case. That we would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. This power that is able to bring to accomplishment and to bring to completion the good work that Paul, that God begins within us when we first believe. He is active. It's not that he's unwilling. He's, he's an active trainer to engage with us. And all resources of all things are in his hands. All we need to do is not just be hearers of the word, but doers. We are to be strengthened with all power, according as glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. I was very impressed with my daughter-in-law the other day when she was telling us that she's training to do a half marathon. Now, for somebody who can hardly run across the street to avoid the cars, to think of somebody running for, what, 10, 12 miles, or how many kilometers it may be now, doesn't all the rest of it, is very impressive. And she was telling us that she was able to do a very long run, a well, nearly a half marathon just the other day. She had gone out a couple of days before and she started off in a mad rush, going at it. And then, halfway through the run that she was supposed to be doing, I see you nodding your head. Is that you doing that all the time? You're looking after three kids. You don't need to go in a half marathon. You have that every day, looking after a family. But you can just go at it and then run out of steam. What you need to do is Pace yourself. Mentally, pace yourself. As well as physically, train your body in order that you can run. And having done all, to keep running. Well, and this is the lack. Paul's thinking about all of this. This is a culture where, you know, the Olympic Games were born in Greece. You know, the, the keeping fit and all that sort of thing. Rome, you know, raised up in many ways and idolized the human form and the worship of physical fitness and all the rest of it. And so the language Paul's using here, the people in Colossae would be thinking about that and would be thinking of the people running in the arena, running in the, you know, on, on, the, on the various sports parks in a sense that they had available at that time. And he's saying that we are to be strengthened with all power so that we have great endurance. And that's what we need, don't we? I mean, humanly speaking, I'm sure, hands up those of us who are fed up with all this. There's a Mexican wave going on through the church. Of course we are. Of course we are. I can assure you, I am. But we're called and we're enabled to have great endurance, to pace ourselves, to run the race with perseverance. And in order to do that, we need patience. That's one of the real problems in our contemporary society. We all think everything should be delivered, if not now, then yesterday. And there's a whole host of reasons why that's the case. 
But the believer who knows that for the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And so time and all that sort of thing is in a very different level. For the believer, patience is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, godliness, self-control. And as we allow God's Spirit, as we work out our salvation with Him, so we're enabled to endure and to keep going and to be patient. And that's a positive thing. I'm sure we're all more people who have been through challenging times, perhaps in a bereavement or whatever else, and they have got through it. But they become hard. They become judgmental. They become very defensive. They become quite critical of anyone else. If I did it, why can you not? And all the rest of it. And it becomes really a very negative thing. That's not what Paul has in state here. He hasn't got some picture of some super spiritual Christian that kind of thinks, well, look at me, what about the rest of you? But he does have a picture of somebody who with patience commends that running the race, encourages others, get alongside others and say, well, come on, let's keep going together. And to bear with each other as together we run the race. And so we are to be strengthened with all power. That enables us to have endurance and patience. And lastly, that reveals itself in what Paul tells us here. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. And the you there is in a plural sense. It means corporately. Who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. You see, my friends, if we are going to endure and be patient, if we are going to see what's going on and, and have some understanding of what's happening in the world, I mean, God basically is bringing the Western world down to its knees. Let's, let's, you know, I mean, I'm not commenting what goes on in the rest of the world. I don't live in the rest of the world. But we in the West have been brought to our knees. This country's going to be bankrupt. I remember sitting in church here with Robert, Back in March, remember that, Robert? Just when everything started, you were just sitting just about the end there. And you very rightly kind of made a joke about, we'll be talking about this at Christmas. And I said, if we're talking about this at Christmas, it'll be a disaster. Well, my friends, it's a disaster for our economy and for our society. And Christians need to be realistic. We don't... But how do we endure through that? How do we have patience? How do we understand that? Well, we understand that because we see things in a different way. Look what Paul tells us here. We give joyful thanks to the Father. What for? Because of his peace, because of his presence, because of his care. Because, well, actually, that's all true. But no, he says we give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This time of trial, somebody was this morning actually on the radio was saying, that this time of trial has been both terrifying and clarifying. And it's clarifying because it makes us, I hope anyways, believers realize that ultimately we are not of this world. We are part of the kingdom of God. There's a whole different domain, a whole different dimension, a whole different way of seeing things radically different from the majority of people who are leading our nation. Although sometimes I think our Prime Minister, why one of the reasons why he's hesitant, partly because of his personality and all the rest of it, no doubt, you know, all of that, is because after being through COVID himself, 
and being very ill and receiving what I believe was prayer ministry. Isn't it just dawning on him that actually he and no one else has all the answers and that there is another reality because he was on that road to the other reality. This kingdom, this kingdom of light, this kingdom that rescues us from the power of darkness and brings us into the kingdom of the sun, this kingdom where we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so, my friends, the thing that helps us and enables us to keep running is God's strength within us, working, as he said earlier, in our hearts and our minds, filling us with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives. It means that we have a completely different mindset. Doesn't mean that, oh well, you know, that's fine, pie in the sky when I die, it doesn't matter what happens here and now. But it means that the light of the eternity shines into the here and now. And that is what the church radically needs to testify to. No congregation will survive this period unless it's resilient. There's already a wee list of churches, the UF churches that will not survive, Church of Scotland's that will not survive. No believer will survive in the sense that they will be active in growing this unless they're resilient. They'll survive as by fire. They'll be saved but have nothing much else to show for it. Their minds and hearts taken captive and locked down by the fears and the paranoia of this world. None of us will survive. Unless we have that kingdom perspective. Which is not just that we've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. But as in the here and now, God is at work fulfilling his promises and realizing his kingdom. That's what keeps us going. That conviction can I tell you honestly, that's why we went on holiday at the end of August. Not just because we went on holiday. Because I knew all this was going to happen. It was all going to be a mess in the autumn and the rest of the thought, we'll go. And I know some folks thought, oh, how could you possibly do that? My friends, there's no point being filled with fear. No point being so precious about what at the end of the day we cannot hold on to. God's in control. He is fulfilling his purposes, which is all about building his kingdom. It's all about building his kingdom. All about revealing his son. And it's that priority, that perspective, that hope that will actually get us going through this. And make us a resilient people who will be able to serve him in the years that lie ahead. And it's a very clear choice. We either allow that, we either work with God for that, and we will survive. No, I will survive. We will survive by his grace and power, or we won't. The choice is yours and mine to make. Amen. Let's hear a piece of music. Let's pray together.
Lord, I'm very conscious sitting in this pulpit, and it's not, I would prefer to be many ways down on the level. I don't want to be thought of as six feet above contradiction. But nonetheless, sitting in this pulpit, I'm aware that over very calamitous times, men, your servants have stood in this pulpit and have spoken to your people gathered here through times of war, through times of great depression, through times when the fear of a nuclear war was very real and imminent, times of personal crisis, when people who were very dear to us were taken from us. Through all those times, all those changing scenes and circumstances of life in trouble and in joy, your word has been spoken to your people. And we thank you for your word to us in this prayer that Paul, that passionate prayer for people, shares with us. His desire that above everything else, God's holy people in Colossae and God's holy people down through the ages would be filled with the knowledge of your will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that we may live lives worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that we may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who's qualified us to share in the inheritance of his holy people, in the kingdom of light. Lord, that's not an abstract word. That's a word for today. And we thank you for it. And we thank you for the gospel that is the power of God to salvation to all who would believe. We thank you for the saints who have gone before us and their faithful life and witness and example. We hear these verses from Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run the race with perseverance that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith. And so we would run that race, Lord. We would work out our salvation with fear and trembling because you are at work within us. We would run that race for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, of that entering into that arena of glory. And the word of commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy and rest of the Lord. And in this training ground of life. And in the present challenges we face. We ask, O Holy Spirit. That you would use all of that. To strengthen us with great endurance and patience. We pray that particularly for those who are on the front line, 
I think of those within this congregation, this building this morning, who are at work and having to get on with life, bringing up a family, caring for parents, attending to daily duties in this classroom or in the office. And all of that's going on. And so we do pray, particularly for those who fall into that category, those within the congregation who work in the health service on the front line, serving a community, overseeing the running of a particular area of service, which is particularly under pressure. And we do pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in Uddingston and in Bolvo and in the wider area. And we ask that you would strengthen them and give them great endurance and patience. And we would stand with them in prayer and in any practical way we can. I think of those at the other end of the spectrum, those who are frailer physically now. And find the, 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 the reduced opportunity to meet with people and to go out and about and have a coffee with a friend or friends. And are finding that a real burden and a real pain in more ways than one. And we pray for them. And ask that in any way that we can, and Lord, we thank you that whatever might happen in Scotland at the present time, pray that this will continue, at least the church will remain open, unlike what I believe is happening down in England. That, Lord, even through the devotionals during the week, through the opportunity for people, even though it's only two or three or four or five people, but just being able to see folk, being able to go for a walk, being able to just spend time with that person on the phone or whatever it may be, that through all these things you would, Strengthen them and give them great endurance and patience. And we do pray for others who are really struggling in their minds and their emotions with all of this. Having heard so much in the media and perhaps having seen so much even in their own family, they're fearful. And locked down in that. Lift up their eyes. Turn their hearts. And along with us. Enable us to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Upon what you have qualified us to share in. The inheritance of your holy people. In that kingdom of light. That that big picture of what you have achieved in Jesus Christ for your people would so stir our hearts, so fill us with thanksgiving, so give us a divine perspective. That having done all, we will stand and be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. so as we pray for each other and as we pray for your church and our land because the same prayers could be applied to your people up and down our country especially those down south the over 50 million people down in England who are now in lockdown 
or will be in lockdown later this week. So we, in the Spirit, bound with our brothers and sisters, give thanks to you, O God, our Heavenly Father. And now as a congregation and in our own homes, in our own rooms, we join together with the words of the family prayer that you have given us to say, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now may the God who brought again from the dead his own son, our only saviour, Jesus Christ, keep our hearts and minds fixed in the love and in the knowledge of him. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit rest upon us and journey with us this day and forevermore. And the people of God said,